It's Monday, May 10th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me today. Jason Mauser, good to see you. Good to see you. We have automotive tech. We have got a big honking stock split to get to, but we are going to start with the business of travel. It was a mixed first quarter for Marriott. Profits were higher than expected, but overall revenue not quite where it needs to be. Uh, demand is on the rise for Marriott, though, especially when it comes to uh, the leisure side of the equation. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that because it is definitely uh, coming back online. And, and to that point, they they did note in the call mainland China uh, occupancy is is near pre-pandemic levels. They said occupancy reached 66 percent in uh, mainland China in March, which was nearly the same as March from 2019. Uh, strong demand on both leisure and business there, and and we're seeing. Some recovery here in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, I mean, clearly the, the data coming out of the U.S. is is, is just getting better uh, by the day, and and you can see just sort of a boots on the ground. People are out. People are doing stuff, and, and travel and leisure is becoming a little bit more of an option. Occupancy started the year at thirty three percent in January in the U.S. and Canada, reached forty nine percent by March. So the trends are all are all headed in the right direction, and for a company like Marriott. More than 7,600 properties around the world. I mean, yes, we may be living in the age of Airbnb, Chris, and and we used an Airbnb just several weeks back. It was a wonderful experience. Marriott still matters. I mean, they have a massive footprint and, and a tremendous opportunity. So it's nice to see these numbers trending back in the right direction for for really what is I think a very important company in the travel space. Yeah, yeah. I'll just add anecdotally. Uh couple weeks back was up in the Boston area staying at a, a Marriott property and uh, once we got all checked in and, and that sort of thing I was talking to uh, the manager behind the desk and just saying you know with without without wanting to just completely bombard her with questions I did ask a couple of you know questions about like you know how's how's occupancy? How's you know how's that sort of thing? <laughs> yeah. And it was interesting. I mean, that that was a, this is, and we're not talking about downtown Boston here. This was out in one of the suburbs. They were at ninety yeah. percent in terms of occupancy. And uh, one of the things she said in terms of she didn't really put it in terms of their challenge, but but it is something that a lot of businesses are struggling with at the moment. Had to do with just hiring. With just you know yeah. staffing up in such a way, because when demand was incredibly low, you could run a hotel with far fewer people, and once occupancy gets up to ninety percent, you got to get people back um, doing everything you need to do to run a hotel. So um, I don't know. I don't know that that's a huge problem for Marriott in the way that we're seeing it for some of the national restaurant chains, uh, some of the stories in terms of hiring. But um, if you're a Marriott shareholder, I think you have to be pretty happy with the way they've responded. And yeah, the stock's down about 3% today, but it's still up 10-15% year to date and and not too far from its all-time high, actually. No, and and I think I think with a company like Marriott, I mean, it's an interesting discussion the hiring one, the employment situation because it is it is different market to market. Um, but I mean, you're dealing with this challenge of, and I mean, the discussion being had of is, is it is is it more lucrative to stay home or, or actually go get a job? Um, I mean, you also have. I think it's fair to at least ask the question: Are we really? Is this is this 
are we getting better? And, and is there just no chance things turn for the worse again? Do we did something not sneak up and bite us one more time here? I mean, it's it's understandable the trepidation that may exist on the hiring side uh, for 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 both parties, whether you're hiring or whether you're looking for a job. You may not necessarily feel the confidence that that job is is necessarily going to be as as stable as as it was pre-pandemic. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it is. Um, but I think you know when you look at Marriott. One of the things that's astounding to me, and we, we talked about this last quarter, and I feel like it, it it's worthy of mention every quarter because it's just such an impressive number. Their Bonvoy loyalty membership, right? The loyalty club, the app, everything that they do, the credit card partnerships, they have over 150 million members of this Bonvoy membership. Now, we in, in the age of the loyalty club, Chris, I mean, you've got Starbucks and Chipotle and all of these retailers building their loyalty memberships. And, and here's Marriott just kind of sneaking under the radar with 150 million Bonvoy members, and they can push out spending and incentives and, and, and whatnot to try to help stoke that traffic. And, and, and in line with that, first quarter global credit card spending for Marriott and their, and their partners was down just 5% versus the first quarter of 2019. So, that's yet another metric that shows you not only is traffic coming back, but so is spending. And all this while, they're building up this little home and villas uh, by Marriott International Business, which it's not all that substantial right now. It's not that meaningful to the company's financials, but they have 30,000 listings. It's a bit more of an Airbnb competitor. It shows that they're thinking about that part of the market as well. So, I, you know, again, I just go back to this is, I think, one of the more important businesses out there in the travel industry. It certainly seems like the metrics are starting to paint the picture of, of recovery. And I would imagine, I would imagine that uh, we'll see some better days for Marriott here in the coming years. That's a ridiculous number. <laughs> just, it's a, it's I mean, a lot. In terms of loyalty programs, that is a ridiculous number. I mean, I'm sure there are probably plenty of members out there that don't even realize they're members. But again, you go back to all, all it takes really is a, a, a credit card partnership, right? It can all start with something like that. And you can build up a network very quickly. And you start throwing in some incentives there and ways to create and build that relationship. It gives you a lot of data. They have a good app. Uh, it, it, it really plays in the traveler's hands. Let's move on to Serence, which uh, provides in-car voice assistant technology. Um, Serence not only had second quarter results that were better than Wall Street was expecting, they also raised guidance yeah. for both profit and revenue for the full fiscal year. And despite all that, shares down 2%, which is not a big drop. But Jason, this is a stock that's down about 35% from its high for the year. Um, why? Why isn't Serence getting just a little bit more love? I mean, this was about as good as you could hope for in terms of both results and guidance. Well, Chris, I don't mean to contradict you because you were right for the most part of the day thus far. It's worth noting right now, it's about 11.45. Serence is officially in the green. The stock okay, is there we up go. just a couple of a tenths of percent. <laughs> but hey, listen, I, you're right. I think for as good of a quarter as it was, you feel like maybe there would have been more positive reaction on, on uh, from, from investors today. Part of that, I think, has to do with the fact the stock has just done really well here over the past couple of uh, over the past uh, several quarters, um, and, and I think for good reasons. You know that they continue to exceed the goals that they set for themselves. They continue to raise guidance. Um, it, it's really amazing when you think about the opportunity. The automobile is turning into a nice little frontier of opportunity on the tech side. Um, and the neat thing about Sarens is they're not just the automobile, right? I mean, it really is about all forms of mobility, right? They're focused on automobiles, of course, but talk about 
your micro mobility, whether that's uh, uh, carts or motorcycles or whatever it may be. They talk about two, two wheeled forms of transportation. I mean, they, they're just really focused on all forms of transportation, uh, that are getting smarter, uh, Clearly, the automobile is still its big opportunity, and when you look at the opportunity there, some of these numbers are kind of astounding. When you when you look at how connected cars are today, and this is just data from the U.S. International Trade Commission from uh, about a year and a half ago, the conventional vehicle contains on average $330 worth of semiconductor content, but if you look at a hybrid electric vehicle, that can contain up to $1,000 worth of semiconductor content in, in anywhere close to 3,500 semiconductors. And so that just goes to show you how much of a computer really automobiles are today, which is what Serence is playing into. Um, and, and so in regard to the numbers, uh, revenue just under $100 million for the quarter, that was up 14% from a year ago. Non-GAAP gross margin was up almost 700 basis points. Licensed product revenue is up 22% uh, year over year, and then connected services revenue grew 18%. Uh, it, but even more encouraging, within that connected services revenue, the 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 new connected services revenue is growing even even faster. So that just goes to show that really they've got to play in on that legacy automobile base out there. But really, all of the new cars that are coming out more and more are coming out embedded with Serence technology. Um, and, and, and just to speak to that, the percent of worldwide auto production with Serence technology today, it's 52%. And that's with an average contract duration of six and a half years. So this is stuff that's getting in these cars. And then that relationship is lasting for a while. Um, it's still a very young business. Remember the spun off, uh, spun out from Nuance, uh, which incidentally was just acquired by Microsoft. Now you're really starting to see the value being realized, I think, in that in that split. Um, but but again, encouraging key performance indicators from the company. Um, I, I think that the the enthusiasm in the in the automobile market today, is, as far as what tech has to offers, is, is really starting to become more apparent. And, and I think that Serence is going to be one of the companies that's uh, going to be leading the way here for the next next several years. This is a company that has a market cap just north of three billion dollars. It yeah. is much smaller than Nuance was when Microsoft yep. got out their checkbook and bought them. Do you think three years from now, Serence is still a standalone public company? Or does someone come along and say, this is too good, we got to buy these guys? Well, I so I sure hope that it's on its own. I, I really do love to see little companies like these. Uh, I, I like to see them be able to, to forge their own path and, and grow. And, and that can be the most rewarding for shareholders who are willing to be patient. Uh, yeah, the opposite side of the coin there is a bird in the hand, right? I mean, a, a nice a nice acquisition premium there, and no one ever really is going to complain about it. But when you look at the business today, at, at the size that it is, they're now calling for anywhere from 380 to $390 million in revenue for the full fiscal year. Um, and, and that number is just going to continue to grow, particularly when you consider how big the market opportunity is. So I fully understand if there's a suitor out there who is interested. I imagine that they would have to pay a pretty penny, though, because this seems like a management team. When you listen to their calls and you listen to their presentations, they seem like a management team that not only really knows what they're doing, but it seems like they have a lot of fun doing it. And that can be a really, really awesome combination for investors. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Got a question from longtime listener Reed McCullough, who writes, I'm wondering if you can help me understand what is going on with the trade desk today. I realize growth is volatile, but I'm having trouble following the scoop on this. Uh, the trade desk, uh, for those unfamiliar, a digital ad platform 
Uh, their first quarter revenue was up 37%. That was better than expected. Their profits were higher than expected. They announced a 10-for-1 stock split, yeah. and shares of the trade desk are down 20%. Uh, I am not a shareholder, but Jason, but what, where is this hate coming from? What? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on here? Well, I am a shareholder, so uh, folks out there who who may be feeling a little of this pain, I'm feeling it right there with you. But but really, um, as I often say, don't don't let the market's initial reaction to an to an earnings report that that's not the business. That's that's a separate separate thing entirely. Um, and I think. You know, couple different ways we can go with this. I mean, to your point, yes, it, it was a very good looking quarter. I mean, revenue up 37%, non-GAAP earnings up 56%. They exceeded expectations. Customer retention still over 95%. And that's just consistently been that way over the past several years. Um, calling for revenue between 259 and 262 million dollars for the current uh, current quarter, that too uh, is better than what was expected. I think perhaps some of the criticism out there, maybe, maybe they weren't guiding high enough. Maybe there was more expected uh, as we see this this ad market recover. Uh, we, we've seen plenty of positive reports out there. Google, for one. I mean, you remember Alphabet's quarter. That thing was just off the charts. Um, and, and maybe that is one of the bigger question marks in regard to the trade desk here in the near term, is at least uh, in that unified ID 2.0, that UID 2, that, that industry-wide approach that ultimately it's it's seen as an upgrade as an alternative to to cookies right and we've we've been talking a lot about that cookies debate here lately and how how the ad space is changing in, in the name of protecting folks uh, privacy um it, maybe there is some uncertainty some question marks and, and we're not getting as as uh, clear a picture for the trade desk in in regard to to what they expect for the rest of the year um, it's worth noting that going into today, before this sell-off, the stock was trading around 86 times free cash flow. So even though you've got a really good business that is is blazing a trail in its market and it's profitable and it just churns out a ton of cash, I mean, 86 times free cash flow is still really expensive. I mean, that's just we're in a, we're in a market where everything looks really expensive. And, and so I'm sure that the guidance along with the valuation uh, probably have uh, short timers uh, heading for the exits today. Um, I, I personally, as a shareholder, have zero concerns after looking at this quarter. I mean, I, th I think, again, the, the big question just re in regard to uh, the UID2 and, and cookies and how Alphabet's going to help dictate this, this space and, and, and what ad tech has to hold. Um, I get that uncertainty, uh, but but to me, I mean, this is a business that just continues to do what they say they're going to do. Uh, a founder leading the way, smart CEO there. Uh, I, 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 the stock split doesn't matter, right? I mean, we always talk about stock splits. It's it's just the same size pizza. It's just more pieces, and um, perhaps this makes it more attractive for uh, other investors. Though it's worth noting. I mean, the share price had gotten close to a thousand dollars. I think here at one point, it's pulled back since then. But I mean, anytime you have that four or five six hundred dollars share price, uh, when you, when you split it down, you make it a little bit more accessible to, to folks. So that could be. Uh, something where it creates a little bit more interest, but but overall, I think another encouraging quarter. And as a shareholder, um, I'm happily going to keep mine. Uh, in terms of the stock split, it's um, I think if I read it correctly, it's it's going to show up as a dividend. 
Uh, do well, I have that right? they, they do. It's 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 done in the form of a dividend. Like you get the shares in the form of a dividend, and that's just that's essentially like a tax benefit. So you don't have so you're not getting taxed on anything. Essentially, you're just getting the more shares in the form of a dividend. They classify it in the form of a dividend. Uh, so the tax implications there, you're not going to deal with any tax implications until you actually sell your shares. Um, so we we see that we see that quite often. Ten for one, though. I mean, <laughs> ten for one. I know that's that's a that's an eye-catching number. I mean, normally it's like you know two or three, maybe four. But they they wanted, I guess, maybe they just wanted that nice round number. Uh, you know, ten for one. That's gonna it's gonna make it a little bit more accessible to some people, I think. And uh, hey, I mean, maybe that's a good thing. But at the end of the day, it's it's still the same size pizza. Speaking of Jeez. which, you know, now I'm getting hungry, Chris. I, uh, I, I, it never fails when I use that analogy. I, I feeling like a delivery might be coming here for lunch here soon. All right, let's get out of here. Jason Moser, thanks for being here. <laughs> okay, thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.